Welcome to Belly Dance Alchemy, a captivating blend of the best elements of career and professional development and the magic of belly dance. I'm your host, Kelly Nottingham. Ready to make your day job sparkle and your dance life grow in new and inspiring ways? Let's see what we can brew up. Hello, wonderful listeners. I'm going to start off today's episode with a controversial statement. Self-care is more than just scented candles. Now, before you throw your meditation cushions at me, those of you who love scented candles, I love scented candles too. I love meditation cushions. I love the idea of massages and retreats and, uh, you know, the, the types of ideas that we talk about a lot of times when we talk about self-care. However, in today's episode, we're going to be looking at a very different way of thinking about self-care that goes far beyond foot rubbing little water tub machine things and scented candles and aromatherapy oils, etc. Now, if you're one of those people that doesn't have a very positive view of self-care or immediately associates it with meditation and scented candles, please listen to this episode because there is lots in here for you. So buckle in. This one should be a very interesting one. This is a topic I have been actually stewing on for a really long time because I think this is, uh, especially right now when we're getting ready to get into the holiday season, a hot topic where we tend to think about buying things to help us take care of ourselves instead of doing the actual work that it would take to care for ourselves properly. So what we're going to be discussing in today's episode is the idea that self-care is far more, far more than just indulging ourselves or pampering ourselves. And in fact, self-care can be not indulging ourselves and not pampering ourselves. Self-care is a filter for how we interact with ourselves and our world so that we nurture the best version of ourselves and we get rid of the stuff that does not serve that best version of ourselves. So we're going to be talking about that in depth in this episode today. We're also going to be discussing the fact that self-care is not always necessarily fun. We're going to be talking about ways that we can set some boundaries and parameters so that we uh, can create some feeling of safety and security for ourselves so that we can thrive. I'm preaching this message right now because we are getting ready to go into the holiday season of a very stressful year. This is uh, in the beginning of December of 2020, which has been a really bizarre year for many of us. Uh, For a lot of people, we have been spending a lot more time this year thinking about self-care, what that means, what it looks like. And I think one of the biggest challenges that comes out of this question around self-care is that we tend to commodify it. We tend to look to external stuff like scented candles, like getting massages, like going to a day spa or getting a manicure or buying ourselves something, a new book or, you know, something that's going to make us on the outside feel that we are taking care of ourselves. 
And so we tend to look because of marketing and because, frankly, the way that self-care has been defined so much by companies that make money off of these products, that we look first to external stuff and external circumstances to provide self-care for us instead of looking internally. Now, I want to go ahead and put a big humongous caveat out there to say we're going to be talking about the fact that, yes, buying nice things for yourself is a great way in many circumstances to spoil yourself, to pamper yourself and to care for yourself. I think the problem comes in when we rely only on buying things for ourselves or putting ourselves in a circumstance or a situation or an environment where we expect that that self-care will happen to us. So the day spa, for example, going on a retreat, for example, taking a day off and going to play tennis all day and take a tennis lesson. Those things are not inherently wrong. And I, I want to make sure that I'm being very clear on that. It's just that those are only a very small piece of this larger puzzle of self-care. Now, I am a gardener. And those of you who uh, follow the podcast on social media, uh, I haven't really been posting much about my my home life, but uh, let me know if you're interested. I can share some pictures every once in a while of my garden. I love to garden. And I like to think of self-care, in a sense, as tending a garden. When I am planting my garden, of course, it's important to think about caring for the plants growing the plants. I'm one of those people, I love to grow plants from seed. So I tend to my little plants and I nurture them and I give them what they need. I give them sun and I give them good soil and I give them water and I give them attention. And I, yes, I sing to my plants, especially when I'm, you know, out there working in the garden. I tend to sing to my plants. I talk to my plants and I am showering them with as much attention and love and care as I can. For a lot of us, when we think about self-care, we think about that. Like we're, we're showering ourselves with good things so that we can grow. However, to successfully grow a garden, there is much more than just providing good soil, some sun, some water. There is a need to do some real work to create a good environment for those plants to thrive. Now, this can be weeding things out that don't work, things that don't need to be there. We got to pull those out, get them out of the garden so that things can grow. It's also knowing when to prune the plants back. Sometimes there's a need to what we call deadhead certain plants where you pull off old blooms and you, you know, you basically are taking care of the plant by actually pruning or pulling off things off of the plants, um, splitting the plant up as needed. Sometimes we actually have to pull out complete plants. We have to thin things out so that the ones that are there have a good opportunity to thrive and be the best tomato or the best peanut or the best turnip that they can be. It also means that we can't just let our plants grow wild in whatever direction that they want. So if any of you have ever grown tomatoes, you know this to be true. Tomato plants, if they are given the right amount of sun, they're given fertilizer and good soil, and they've got enough water, they will grow 
And as they grow, they will start to branch out. Tomatoes require some subjugation, for lack of a better word. You have to cage them. You have to tie them up somehow to keep them from spreading themselves apart too far to where they will actually break themselves down or the tomatoes will flop over on the ground and rot. They require uh, keeping them within their rows, especially, uh, too, if you've ever grown cucumbers. Uh, my cucumbers this past year, I did not plan for the cucumbers to do as well as they did. And they ended up actually overgrowing their rows and grew up into my okra and into my tomatoes and ended up trying to pull down some of my tomato plants. So I had to go in there and, and pull some of those cucumber vines down a little bit so that I could keep them where they needed to be. So this is, I think, an effective way in many ways to think about the concept of self-care. Yes, self-care is pampering ourselves. Yes, self-care is giving us things that we need to maybe feel spoiled, feel good, reward ourselves when we do something that is great. But beyond that, self-care is about understanding what we're trying to grow in the garden of our life. What do we want to grow? What is our big vision for our garden? Uh, and this doesn't have to be a 10-year plan. This doesn't have to be anything complicated. This can be looking at what you value about yourself. What gifts do you have that you want to grow and what direction do you want to grow in? And giving ourselves enough structure, like those tomato cages, to be able to grow the things that we're trying to grow. It also means thinning out the plants when we have too many things going at one time. It means pruning things down when we need to. It means getting rid of stuff that is keeping our garden from thriving the way that it should. Now, this is not always fun. This is work. And when we think about this in the context of self-care, this is internal work. This is understanding what our expectations of ourselves are. I've been talking so much about expectations lately, but it's really been on my mind as something that's crucially important. It's understanding what our boundaries for what acceptable behavior is for ourselves to ourselves, how we're going to treat ourselves respectfully so that we can thrive and how we are going to hold other people accountable for treating us also in a respectful way so that we can thrive. This internal work that we do of understanding where we want to grow, what our best version of ourselves is, and how can we nurture that best version of ourselves so that we can really, really thrive. That's what self-care is really all about. And when we think about self-care this way, it becomes that filter for how we view what happens to us and how we interact with others and how we interact with ourselves to give us the best opportunity to grow in the direction that we want to grow. Now, another piece of this puzzle is that self-care helps us to feel safe. It helps us to feel more secure by setting parameters for how we allow ourselves to be treated, both by others and by ourselves. Self-care is giving ourselves the authority to protect our boundaries. 
we need some level of safety and security to thrive. If not, we're only in survival mode. We can build a lot of that safety and security for ourselves by giving ourselves that authority to say, I'm not going to allow others to treat me in this way. And probably even harder, I'm not going to allow myself to treat me in this way. I've been using my example of a garden. We live uh, out in the country. And one of the reasons why we moved out into a rural area out from Houston, Texas, is that we wanted to be able to be surrounded by nature. And I love critters of pretty much every ilk. I love that we have deer and we have little bunnies, little wild bunnies that live on our property. And we have little raccoons and possums and all of these great little awesome creatures that live in our area. As a gardener, this is a little bit of a conundrum for me because I love the bunnies and the deer. And I literally will feed like scraps of food. Uh, if I have some some fruits or veggies that are a little past their prime, I will actually take them out into the woods and throw them out into the woods to see if anything out there wants it. If not, I'm just, it's a natural form of composting, right? So I love to, you know, make sure that I can do what I can to help the little animals around our home to thrive. However, uh, I do have to set a boundary because I want also for us to thrive by having enough vegetables in our garden to eat. I have to literally create a boundary by building a fence around my garden. Without that boundary, my lettuce is not going to be safe. So in the same way, even well-intentioned people can invade our boundaries. If we don't know where those perimeters to our garden are, if we haven't set up in our minds what is acceptable, what's not acceptable, how do I want people to treat me, and how, how do I need for people to treat me so that I can thrive, we're going to be much more likely to have bunny incursions into our garden of life. I'm using so many dorky metaphors here, but hopefully I'm making sense. So how can you tell if your self-care bubble, your self-care boundary or little walls of, of safety and security that are around you through this idea of caring for yourself so you can thrive, how can you tell if that boundary has been breached? Well, sometimes it's really obvious, and I, I don't even feel like I need to go into, you know, major examples of this, but a lot of times it's the more subtle ones that we may not really recognize as situations or people trying to get through those boundaries or ourselves from the inside not upholding those boundaries from others and from ourselves. So I wanted to give you some examples here. To help maybe stir some thoughts for you around ways that perhaps your self-care needs to be strengthened a little bit. At this time of year, this is a time of year in here in December where a lot of secular and religious holidays engage in, in gift giving. We may feel obligated to give gifts to lots of people. We may feel obligated to spend the same amount of money on someone that we're perceiving that they are spending on us. Now, this is um, especially important this year where a lot of folks are struggling with 
having to really manage their their budget in a much more diligent way than maybe in the past. So obligation is a great sort of flashing sign to let you know that maybe the self-care isn't happening like it needs to, and maybe there needs to be a boundary there. So not buying expensive presents because it's going to put you into debt. That is a form of self-care. Going and getting a therapist is self-care. Saying no to obligations like going to visit relatives that you haven't seen in a long time who make no effort to talk to you, that is a form of self-care. Saying no to others is a form of self-care. So is saying no sometimes to ourselves. Self-care is sometimes not indulging ourselves. So I'm going to talk about that more in just a few minutes. It could be cutting toxic people out of your life. It could be talking to your boss about reprioritizing your work when they're trying to add an extra project to you so you're not having to work 80 hours a week. It's saying no more over-sacrificing myself just so that the rest of my team doesn't have to work so hard. It could be saying no or making a decision to spend less time with dance friends who don't respect your boundaries. Self-care could mean using the dance DVDs that you already have versus continuing to buy more of them for yourself because you're not actually doing the ones you already have and you're just spending more money that you really can't afford to spend or that you could spend somewhere else in your life to maybe pay down some debt. Now, I mentioned just a minute ago that sometimes self-care is saying no to ourselves. This, again, kind of goes sometimes against the trend of this idea of self-care as only a pampering type of interaction with ourselves. I like to think of this in, I guess this is sort of an odd way, but bear with me. If you were 100% in charge of caring for and making decisions for your best friend. Now, this is not healthy, so please don't do this. How would you care for your best friend? Now, normally in that kind of situation, we would say, well, I would make sure that they were taken care of as far as like having healthy food and, you know, making sure that they get exercise and making sure that Uh, They're financially secure and that they have friends and that people don't take advantage of them. And the list will go on and on. Fulfilling work, opportunities to relax and enjoy themselves. Now, we don't have full ownership over our best friend's lives. If you do, that's something that you and your friend and you guys need to hash out. But we are dependent on ourselves as our own best friends. We individually need to be a best friend to ourselves. And we need to think about the decisions that we make, the self-care that we do, as if we were our own best friends. So yes, sometimes that means not indulging in all of the donuts in the box. Sometimes that means eating only one cookie instead of five because Yeah, you may have done something great to deserve five cookies. Fine. But is that going to help you achieve that best version of yourself that you want to achieve? Maybe it's not taking the over-budget massage because you're going to put yourself in debt for it. 
So it can be not giving in to these whims of spoiling ourselves. It's caring for ourselves even when it means work. Sometimes that requires structure. It requires discipline to move toward our best interests. So one way to think about this is not just going out and going to a really fancy shop and buying some really expensive Egyptian cotton sheets. That can be one form of self-care. It's also scheduling yourself and having enough of a structure in your home life that you actually wash those sheets on a regular basis so that you have a clean place to sleep. So self-care isn't always about rewards. Self-care is being kind and being a really awesome best friend to yourself. It can be knowing what drains you and doing less of it and standing up for yourself if something drains you that you don't have to do to be that best version of yourself. It can be knowing what recharges you and doing more of that, especially when you start to feel that your internal batteries are getting really low. It can be cutting out toxic people out of your life and not beating yourself up for it. It's not beating yourself up for feeling selfish, for having boundaries, and for saying no. Self-care is following your bliss, even if nobody else gets it. Self-care is cultivating good, healthy friendships and taking the time to do that, prioritizing that even. Self-care is working on ourselves and giving ourselves some time to think, to process maybe even to light a scented candle and to meditate and to prioritize that for ourselves. For me, self-care is moving myself out of my chair, even when I don't feel like it, even when I could say I want to spoil myself and just take a nap. Self-care is, yeah, sure, sometimes taking the nap, but a lot of times it's getting up and taking a walk. Self-care is reading and learning when it would be easier just to play a game on your phone. Self-care is cleaning your house, even if you would rather be doing anything other than cleaning your house, because your internal best friend deserves to have a nice, clean place to live. It means sitting down at my desk, even when sometimes I don't feel like it, because it serves my bigger internal self. It can mean scheduling your day, even if it feels a little restrictive at first. Instead of buying more things, self-care can look like purging stuff out of your house that you don't use, getting rid of the things in your closet that don't fit you anymore so that you have more space and less to worry about in your life. The self-care filter goes through your career, your relationships, your own body, your mind, your spirit. It affects every part of our lives. And a lot of times we can tell when we're not taking care of ourselves because we start to feel our equilibrium be a bit off. We start to feel more frustrated than we do happy. Not to say that we're going to feel happy all the time, but when things get out of balance like that, where you're feeling more frustrated or sadder or angrier than positive feelings, Uh, and that feels really out of balance for you, that's when it's time to really look at where your self-care needs to be bumped up a bit. All right, everybody, it's time to take this one for a final spin. There's one big 
activity on our final spin list this time through with a bunch of sub questions. The first thing is to prioritize 20 minutes for yourself, 20 whole minutes in a row this week to be alone. You can light a candle if you want to and ask yourself these questions. Look at your interactions with other people over the past few weeks and think about those. Which of those interactions are helping you thrive and which ones are not? Also, look at the way you've treated yourself over the past few weeks. What helped you to thrive and what didn't? Now, thinking about those two sets of questions then, what self-care boundaries do you need to set for yourself to strengthen that filter with how you interact with yourself in the world? It can be something like, I'm not buying presents for the entire family this year because I don't need to add on to my debt. Or I'm not going to say yes immediately to this next project until something else on my schedule and on my list goes away. One of the biggest missions that I have for this podcast is to take the experiences that I have had and the learnings that I've gleaned and try to help in a way to improve your life, to help you thrive, to help you be the most successful and joyful and vibrant version of yourself that you can be. One of the most critical ways to do that is to make sure that we do have a good filter of self-care, of caring for ourselves that we use every day, every week, every month, in all of our interactions with ourselves internally and with others externally, that filter will become automatic or at least more automatic the more we work on it. If you are a giver, this will probably feel very selfish at first. That is going to be a big piece of your self-care filter is not beating yourself up for taking care of yourself. Think about that internal best friend. They want to be successful and they want to thrive and you are the only person who can do that for them. Take care, everybody, and I will talk to you soon. Well, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to this podcast and share the magic with your dance friends. If you want more, you can sign up for our mailing list at bellydancealchemy.org or you can email me your suggestions and feedback. I would love to hear from you at bellydancealchemypodcast at gmail.com. Bye.